1: Hey, Her Hoop Stats fans, welcome to another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and I'm joined today by Aaron Barzali from our Her Hoop Stats team. Hey, Aaron, how's it going?
2: I am doing well. How are you doing in uh, our less frigid Northeast today? (laughs)
1: doing good yeah it's nice to see the sun not have it be snowing for like the first time in a few days so
2: (laughs) yeah i feel like early february here in the northeast has been uh quite a bit of funk for just about everybody and uh you know i feel like life is uh looking up right the tournaments around the corner (laughs) um which i think will be exciting and uh you know the sun you know the sun is out can actually sort of walk around or get some exercise and not be super frigid. So, um, feeling a little bit better. Feeling excited. Feeling excited to talk to you. So, I appreciate you having me on today.
1: Yeah, lots to talk about. I think there's just been over the last few weeks just so much going on between college basketball and March coming up, and then free agency as well. It's just been pretty crazy in the women's basketball world.
2: Yeah, it's been a it's been a blur. So, uh, you know, I think we've <laughs> talked in the past about how. It wasn't clear to, I think, either of us, right, that this NCAA season has really had the same kind of interest, the same kind of juice that maybe it had in the past uh, years for a lot of different reasons. But I feel like it's starting to pick up. Um, I can't believe conference tournaments are around the corner. And I am hopeful that it's gonna we're going to feel a little bit normal uh, when the NCAA tournament rolls around.
1: Yeah, I feel like it definitely has picked up. I think maybe, I don't know, it feels like, um, I don't know if this is actually true, I don't have the data to back it up, but it feels like less games have been canceled, so I think yeah. that might be playing into it. Like, I think there's just a little bit more of a rhythm kind of coming, which has been good, and then, yeah, of course, the, the hype around it being almost March, this is coming out Friday, so we're only three days from March, which is wild to say, but I feel like can't believe that it's already March of 2021. But yeah, conference tournaments starting in like a week and under a week in some cases and the NCAA tournament right around the corner. So it's definitely getting to be an exciting time of year.
2: Yeah, I meant to look this up. Maybe I'll do it while we are talking. Uh, just how many days it is until the tournament starts and then uh, how many days let's hear uh, so see if you can stall or fill in with, some might say fill in with lots of useful information uh, while i confirm the exact uh, days um, one question i had for you though is how it is like you obviously do a lot more traveling in your life than uh, uh this old fogey does so were you was your interest peaked when you saw that they were going to allow fans for part of the tournament
1: I feel like I, like, was, but then I'm, like, I'm still not comfortable getting on a plane and you cannot drive to Texas, so <laughs> not really. Um, yeah, I'm I'm very much going stir-crazy and trying to think there's like, a way to safely do some kind of trip soon that's at least just, like, driving somewhere for a change of scenery. But, yeah, I don't think I'll be attending anything in in person this year. Hopefully, by this time of next year, we'll be back in something that resembles a normal world and we'll be in. Minnesota for final four different places for regionals and all that fun stuff. But for now, yeah, it's staying put watching on the couch. (laughs) It
2: is tempting. And then, you know, being media, there's going to be so much less access this year than normal that it also you know makes it a little harder i think to uh, justify so um it would be fun to go especially you know i'm I'm on a streak but uh well i guess it's not that long of a streak because i sort of (laughs) count last year since we were going but it got canceled um but uh you know nevertheless it would be nice to, to be there so fingers crossed um but uh, a, we, you and I can hang out in person before next year's final four, and yeah. <laughs> uh, b that we could also hang out uh, there at the final four too. So yeah, I confirmed it yeah, is the uh, tournament's first round starts. I believe March twenty first, which is twenty four days from today. How crazy is that? And then uh, thirty eight days until we have a new national champion.
1: It's very exciting. It's also I think Easter Sunday that we have a new national champion. Just. Oh, is it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's holiday and national championship day. (laughs)
2: You're just, you know, thinking so forward thinking, talking about April, thinking about Minneapolis next (laughs) year. None of that's on my radar. Just like, let's just get through this (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah that's i mean my attitude is basically like let's get through this day <laughs> get to the yeah. next day lately but yeah i'm trying to be forward thinking because it is exciting and it feels like it's gonna happen i feel like for so much of the season it was like are we even gonna get to march and like have a tournament so it feels like it's really happening so i'm starting to get really excited about it yeah also so, uh, I feel like the season has just been like such chaos like we've seen so many losses and stuff that March just is gonna be a lot of fun
2: Yes. Yes. Right. I think that's a theme <laughs> we were sort of talking as we were getting ready. Right. I think there it's just totally unclear uh, that there who the who's going to be in the final four. Not totally, but I think there's just a lot more contenders and a lot more room for kind of non number one seeds to make it this year. So at the team level, there's parity, And then also we were talking about the player level like for national play of the year, maybe we can talk briefly about that, but I think there's plenty of parody to slash. No one has uh, really distinguished themselves.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think that's the theme of the year. Like, yeah, you have a number one team in Yukon right now, but are they really the best team in the country? It's so hard to tell. It's all like, you could argue yourself, I think, into a handful of teams that is the best team in the country, and like you said, no clear, like, evidence of who's going to be in the Final Four. I think there's a lot more contenders for that than we typically see, so um, I think it's going to be really exciting in March, and we've seen, I mean, we've seen upsets of top teams to non-ranked teams, so I don't even think it's isolated to, you know, like, who's going to make the Final Four based off of, like, you know, who's making or who you'd expect to be in, like, the Elite Eight, Sweet 16. I think there's gonna be some fun Cinderella runs and it's it's gonna be an exciting tournament to watch.
2: Yeah, I I think that'd be super exciting. But you're the Yukon fan, so uh if you think it's not clear, why don't you <laughs> make the case for I don't know, South Carolina or Stanford. I wanna hear it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean I think that Yukon probably has the best argument to be number one right now just because they've only got the one loss and they've got the big win over South Carolina. I think that before they had the big win over South Carolina, I think yeah it was like okay they only have one loss, but who are you gonna argue there? I think that's a statement win for them. But, I mean, it's also an overtime win, right? Really could have gone either way. It's overtime win at mm-hmm. home for UConn. Are you really convinced that you play that game five times, that South Carolina doesn't get the edge of the series? I don't know that I am. So I think I think it's something that could go either way. I think UConn's looking good, and I think they're peaking at the right time. But I think, I mean, Stanford has been really good. They've got two losses. It's kind of like that Colorado one that felt like a kind of a fluke loss. And then there are other losses to UCLA, which is a really good team. So I think Stanford, to me, has some of the most depth in the country. And then I think Cameron Brink, their freshman, has just gotten better yes. as the season has gone on. And I think she's making a big difference for them right now. She's moved into that starting lineup. She's been incredible for them. So I think that gives them makes them a better team than they were when they were the number one team in the country. So I think Stanford looks really good right now,
0: too.
2: Yeah, I am feeling about Cameron Brink right now a little bit like I was about Satu Sabali um the year before um she left for the WNBA so i guess she was what uh she is sophomore that year um it was just like yeah. you know she wasn't the star yet but um it was clear there's tons of potential when she hit that 3 um in the game on monday i was like whoa um so i went and i used our research tool I'm going to do it again now um i was like all excited to see how many players you know had as many um threes and blocks as she did and uh, I was uh, got <laughs> off guard that she's, I think, only hit six threes uh, so far this season. So it wasn't quite as impressive as I <laughs> had hoped, but it did. I'm going to pull up the stat here um, about, you know, who there's only we tweeted this out, I think, earlier in the week. Right. There are there were at the time and I think are still two players that have. Oh. Uh, yes. Two players who have both hit 33 pointers this season. And blocked 30 shots. Um, So Lasha Petrie from Bradley has 42 made threes and 48 blocks. And then Kirsten Bell from uh, uh, Gulf Coast, Florida Gulf Coast, has 52 made threes and 39 blocks. So I definitely think Cameron Brink has the potential to be on that list uh, next season, especially with more games. Right. (laughs)
1: yeah I mean she's just such a unique player her game is so much different than I think you see from a lot of players she's so lanky but then she also can kind of post up against a smaller post player it's it's and then she has that outside shot a little bit too when it's Gets and if that's something she really adds as a staple to her game, it's going to just make her game even better. So, yeah, I think she's been huge for Stanford and I think it's going to make a difference for them down the stretch. That she's kind of, I think at the beginning of the season, she got in foul trouble a lot. She's cleaned that up some. So, I think she's a, she's a big piece for Stanford as we kind of head into March. And I think you've seen it, right? And like, yeah. Stanford's got some pretty statement wins, a big win over Arizona. So, it's been coming through in their scores and their results
2: yeah yes. um you know, I went to uh, Stanford for grad school, so I did not bias our uh, her hoop stats rating in their favor, but <laughs> it does make me happy that they are uh, third uh, by that metric just ahead of Baylor and um you know behind Yukon and South Carolina. So feeling pretty good that that uh, passes the spell test. yeah, yeah, I think
1: they've got a really good case. I mean, I think South Carolina still has a case too. I think. Oh, yeah. Tennessee loss definitely hurt them a little bit but to me I feel like there's something just a little bit off with them right now and as long as they get it figured out by March they're going to be fine I think the last couple of games and even the end of that Tennessee game they just don't seem to be playing through Leah Boston which to me is pretty clearly their best player on the floor and someone they just they need to use her size and use the fact that she's one of the best players in the country and play through that but she's only taken four shots in both of their last two games They've been relying heavily on their guard play, which, I mean, they have good guards, but I think you just you just have such a dominant force in early of Boston, and you got to use that more.
2: Yeah, you know, I do think in general, so, I mean, South Carolina, as I said, second in our hoop stats rating, so I think just uh, empirically they're clearly, you know, one of the best teams. But at the same time, I also think that they're, we give them a lot of credit, right, for kind of how good they've been of late. And same is true, really, for, um Aliyah boston she's clearly not quite as good as she was last season which is still she's still amazing right she's still super talented but uh it's not like she took a step forward from her unbelievable freshman season and so i think we're still kind of waiting or kind of projecting that she'll get back to that at some point this season and so we give her a lot of credit and i think that's why it drives you to say that uh you know they play through her more um you know, it's going to be interesting to see if she can really kind of pick it up and get back to her otherworldly level because I don't think she's quite been as good as she's been. Um, and she has been great. I don't think she's been otherworldly this season the way she was last year. Yeah.
1: Time. I would agree with that. And I mean, I think part of that is she, you know, grabs a lot more defensive attention. They lost Ty Harris and Her Herbert, Herbert, Herbert Harrigan. So they, you mm-hmm. know, seniors on the team grabbed a lot of defensive attention, were really good players. And, teams just have more defensive energy to focus on Boston now. And I think that definitely comes through in some of her numbers, but a great, I just still think even aside from that fact, she just hasn't played at the level that she played at last season yet. Or I mean, she has some sparks, but not consistently. And I think for South Carolina to be like that, you know, number two, number three team in the country, be that team that's going to make the final four. They're probably going to need that down the stretch.
2: Yeah, right. I think they're, you know, it's clear, right? Everybody's vulnerable, right? None of the top teams are mm-hmm. undefeated. Um, and even if they were undefeated, they'd still be uh, vulnerable. There's so many, he's had so many close games. And you know that I'm a firm believer that, you know, games that go to overtime are basically 50-50. If we played them again, right. they'd probably each win about half the time. And, you know, teams that are wins that are like a two or three point win you know, that doesn't mean they're going to win 100% of the time. It actually probably means it's like 51-49 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, definitely I think there's a a strong case that, uh, you know, South Carolina is good but could easily be vulnerable if they're not playing at their best. And I think that, like I said, I think that's true of everyone. Uh, And so it'll be really interesting to see how the tournament progresses and the excitement it conjures if we get a little more of a quote-unquote Cinderella in the final four like was that going to drive eyeballs or is that gonna you know maybe it would if it's the right team uh, most notably mm-hmm. you know someone like tennessee that's sort of good but not great suddenly catches uh, fire at the right moment and uh you know that would be amazing right i think a great story a great narrative for if they were in the final four um you know unlike you know some other teams but like if gonzaga makes it or something like that it could be could yeah. be fun
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to be dependent on, you know, what team it is. There are also like the players on that team. Like you've got a team like Michigan, which maybe people don't associate with being a women's basketball powerhouse, but a player like Nez Hillman that's, you know, put up 50 in a game or could go off for 30 and 15 in like a final four game or something like is something for people to watch, right? Like it's a storyline to keep an eye on. Michigan makes a run. I think that's going to be a really big story. So I think it comes down to what the team is, but also, you know, what players are on their team. And if it's one of these teams that's got one of the, as we said, many players that you would say are probably in the running for you know, a national player of the year. Something like Kentucky with like a Ryan Howard, too, is another one that comes to mind. But I think those are going to be storylines if they're Cinderella runs. So, I mean, yeah,
2: I what think what though the, Cinderella the... is
1: because you're thinking. Top, top four seeds
2: still, but yeah, no, I I think a, a four in particular a four seed making the final yeah. four is maybe Cinderella is a little strong, but I think what will be cool is if someone like Nas Helm can just go off for three games in a row to open the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's even probably more important than scoring fifty in the <laughs> in the championship game. Or something like that as amazing <laughs> right. as that yeah. would be. Um, but as far as kind of building excitement uh, steadily over the course of the tournament, putting in those kind of dominant performances early. Um, will definitely be cool then you know it's been, i mean i feel like i see on sports center you know maybe scott van pelt's a little biased uh because he he's from he's a maryland guy but you know i feel like i've you know heard some shout outs there for brenda freeze and the team so uh it's been uh you know it helps that they're so good but um yeah i feel like you know starting to get some some more attention here
1: yeah, I feel like Maryland's a team that's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. Like they're not getting, I mean, they're on the 2C line, so under the radar, and, or maybe it's 3C line, but still under the radar with a grain of salt. But it's just not a team that everyone's really talking about, I feel like. And um, they are really good. I mean, I think they're first in the country for points per game. They score a ton of points. I think the thing that kind of sets them back and I think will cause them some trouble in March is that their defense is just okay. So a lot of cases uh, they can make up for that. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: OK is a little strong. They have the number one offensive yeah. rating in the country, and they're number 239 in defensive rating, which is the bottom OK, third. to so, be fair,
1: I was saying OK because I looked at Iowa's numbers the other day, who is number two in the country, and number like I'm two from the bottom in the country in defensive rating. They're like polar opposites. Well, um, yeah, do- yeah, so OK's... Still, strong word for Maryland's defense. <laughs> well, we
2: should probably take a moment to uh, give our respect to that amazing uh, game that they played against yes. each other on the twenty third, one hundred and eleven to uh, ninety three. Trying to remember, Ben, yeah, Katie, yeah, I saw Katie Benson get um, kind of featured on SportsCenter Center as well, All right? She nine for ten from three, so pretty, pretty yeah. impressive. I was just pulling up her stats. I was looking at it earlier in the season. I mean. What is your guess as what she's shooting from three right now?
1: Uh, Forty-five. Higher. Really? Okay. Is she over fifty? Higher. Okay. I think she's lower than Paige if I'm remembering right. So fifty-three.
2: Yo, yeah, it's fifty-three. Well, I don't actually get that excited because it's just her guess, but <laughs> fifty-three point
1: four. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah so, so really impressive obviously <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: so um yeah so she is shooting over 50 percent and uh, let's take a look here uh now you're what is Paige shooting since uh, you are a UConn
0: fan um
1: as of before tonight she wasn't that good from three tonight but it was only four tenths, so I don't know that it brought it down that much she was 55 50- five i want to say i should know this i literally wrote
2: an article today well <laughs> uh well you know we've got i think we've our database is already updated and so yeah. we have her at 51.7 yeah because they beat creighton okay. tonight so uh, yeah oh my gosh she was one for five actually second game in a row one for yeah. five she's yeah. in a slump
1: yeah <laughs> if this was the
2: WNBA, you could trade her
1: yeah <laughs> I think I would still
2: keep her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're willing to ride that one out.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: I think that would be a wise, your future GM right there. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
0: don't
1: think it takes a future GM to think that you should stick a pagebacker's
2: foot. So, uh, Kurt, where did I, uh, I lost it here. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah. So now she's at 50, you know, just under 52. And, um, yeah, the leader in the country uh, with kind of more than 50. Oh, no. Oh, wait. I got the wrong, well, slightly wrong query here. Yeah, Katie Benson's definitely number one in the country among people that have made uh, 20 or more threes this season. She's made 78, and she's hitting 53.4%. Nice.
1: Yeah. I mean, Madeline, definitely a team that can shoot. I think we saw that Iowa also a team that could shoot, but on both ends of that game, the defense just left something to be desired. And I think that's going to be—I mean, not it's not very much of a hot take or much of a take at all. But I think it's just going to be Maryland's Achilles heel coming into March. Yeah, you could score a lot of points, but when you start playing some of these better teams, I think if you can't defend them, they're and they have better defenses than you're used to facing in some of these Big Ten opponents. That they could run into some trouble.
2: I'm pretty confident if uh, Benson goes nine for ten every game, they will win. Yeah.
1: The championship. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I mean, <laughs> if your game plan is that she's going to shoot, I, she's clearly very good, right? Fifty-three percent is insane. Three-point percentage but nine
0: for ten at a game it's probably not a reliable game
2: plan <laughs> no no but you know it will take a few games to get hot it's i mean um many of them will be in the same gym i think or in tournament right so uh, there's a chance yeah. there's a chance
1: there's a chance sure <laughs> i don't know if there's <laughs> She'll, well, she goes nine from pen in every game in the tournament. She'll certainly make some sports highlights, but. Yeah,
2: exactly. Well, shout out to Katie. I believe her dad definitely follows her us on Twitter as well. So shout out to the whole Benzen family, and uh, it's actually been just really fun. to. I wasn't really familiar with her. Um, I know, like, Jen, our Jen Hatfield is because uh, of her connection to the Ivy League and following that and covering it so closely. So, um, I, you know, I sort of heard the talk about it before the season, but, like.
1: Yeah, no, she's definitely really impressive, and I mean, shout out to Brenda Freeze, too, because she has just so many different pieces than they had yeah. last year on that team, and they're still so good, so I think this speaks volume, obviously, to her coaching, the fact that you've got pretty much an entirely different team, and you're still one of the top teams in the country, so. <laughs> That's right,
2: and could be getting stronger, right, so, with Reese, uh, right? I think, So, you know, I think we could talk a little bit about something I've been discussing with Calvin in the context of um, his work on Winds above bubble. We're actually working on an article debating that. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that and on bracketology and, you know, with a team like Maryland that's picking someone up like Angel Reese, who uh, I saw just had 17 points tonight against Purdue. Uh, It's her second game back uh, after she uh, got injured, I guess, and stopped playing her, her previous game. Before, uh, I guess Tuesday was uh, back on December 3rd, if you can imagine that. So, um, you know, what it's like, how do you think we should treat a team where, you know, they're picking someone talented up that could give them a boost um, towards the end of the season as Maryland is.
1: Yeah, I think this is always a tricky thing because it's it's so hard to, especially with a small sample size, right? Like she's played six games. It's so hard to tell how much of a difference she makes on that team. I mean, Maryland, I mean, with or without her is a good team, right? They only have two losses, one with her, one without her, and the loss without her is with two Ohio State, which is also a really good program. So I mean, you're looking at a good team regardless. But I think it's hard in terms of just like, how do you assess if they are really like, clearly, they're a good team without her. How much of a better team are they with her? And then, is it enough to bump them above the team in front of them or two teams in front of them? I I think in this case, I don't know that we've seen enough from Reese this season to make that conclusion. I think the sample size is just too small. And I, I don't think that's a knock to her. I think it's just that Maryland's already really good. I don't think you're looking at a case here where, mm-hmm. like, I think you see cases where, you know, a team's like, has this player and they're like, eight and two with that player and then like five and five without that player. And it's like, okay, you've got a pretty clear case that there's a large difference maker. Or if it's a player, you know, that's scoring, you know, like if Caitlin Clark had missed five games for Iowa and she scores 26 points a game, like it's, a, you know, yeah. it's, there's a clear like difference. Well, and they I think, lose in those the, games. Right. I think. is what yeah, you're saying, right. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's, there's cases where it's kind of very obvious. Um, and then there's cases where it's not so clear cut. And to me, this Marilyn case is just not so clear cut. And I mean, it's not going to hurt Marilyn that much. Anyway, they're already a two seed probably with or without her. Potentially so
2: going up. Potentially going up yeah, too, right? Potentially depending going up. Depending on how yeah, play what, out in the yeah, exactly. in tournament. I guess what I would say is, although fundamentally, I see your point, right? I mean, definitely there's a question about like, do you actually know they're better? Right. But in a world where we Mm -hmm. feel confident, like we feel like we have the information, I definitely am of the opinion as, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to argue in this article coming out relatively soon is, you know, I think it should be about who the best teams are now. Right. And it should really be reflecting how good they are now. And so if you were to, you know, if Therese picks up uh, Maryland uh, we feel like there is evidence that it's reflected in their play. I mean, they're going to have a number of games, uh, you know, with the tournament and the Big Ten tournament and stuff. So we'll, we'll see them playing against some other good teams. Uh, you know, if we feel that there's evidence there, I think they should be bumped up. And, uh, you know, even in a scenario where they would performed worse uh, when she was out, uh, you know, I think it really is about the now. As harsh as that is, you know, for me, philosophically, I want the best teams in the tournament. I mean, the yeah. unfortunate... Counter example, right, is if someone's really good and then they someone gets injured in the conference tournament. I was thinking about it in the context of, you know, I remember when Katie Lou Samuelson got hurt. Right. And it was a little mm-hmm. unclear what was going on. And, um, you know, I think that it, you can't in a situation like that, you can't say UConn would have been as good without her. And they should just be kind of treated in the tournament, you know, as if right. they had been as good as they were all season with her. Or Like, that's my philosophy now. Not everybody agrees with me on that i think that you know some people believe and i think the ncaa tournament committee in fact sort of talks about looking back at their record but you know they're also thinking about who's in and out in those games so like they're kind of thinking about that too right if you miss a random regular season game right uh who's a cunane right missed uh, a a right. loss earlier for nc state and so it's like if you're kind of throwing that one out or kind of de-emphasizing it um you know, because of that, then like you're effectively saying, like, well, they're better than their record would be if you ignored right. it, and so you're basically kind of arguing, I think, for my position. So that's my
1: take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with that take. I do generally think that's what it is. I think maybe the Maryland example is not the best example because it's just I don't know that it's, like they're already so good, and it's not necessarily clear that they're like a significantly better team with. Reese. yeah an if example she makes them better are they significantly better they've got good pieces that they can replace her with um but yeah i think in other cases it's a little bit yeah
2: worse. with calvin i, I was think. talking about a hypothetical scenario where a team had been like you know the 80th best team all season and then suddenly <laughs> in the last few weeks they're the 30th best team and so in that case i think like you should treat them like they've been the they're the 30th best team because that's what they are now
1: yeah, I think I think this is a team that probably still doesn't make the tournament, but I think it just in case of that in the Big East is Seton Hall, because you have a Seton Hall team that was kind of just okay to start the season. They have a bad loss to Albany, but then they add Andre espinosa Hunter from transfer from Mississippi State later in the season and they've been a significantly better team. They look like a lot better team than they looked at the beginning of the season. I don't know that they I don't even think anyone really has them even on the bubble at this point. I, don't know that they're going to make the tournament, but from watching them play by like the eye test, I think they almost look like a tournament team. So I think that would be if they were a little bit better team and a team that was getting some attention right now, that would be like a kind of like clear cut case of a, a team that lost that game to Albany, which is by far the worst game on their resume is not the team that, you know, Seton Hall is right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And we uh, haven't wrote that article for us uh on her, I think in January. Right. And so, um, she's a talent yeah she's just amazing
1: yeah for sure for sure so yeah i think like there are teams of me that look significantly different and i don't know that they're in that current conversation but if they were i would say that's a team that you know you should see them and you should pick them based on the team that they are with andres hunter, not that the team they weren't without because when you're clearly your best player was not part of the team back in hmm. december like that's not a fair measure of what that team is
2: well i may mention that to uh to calvin then thanks for that because uh <laughs> yeah i used uh, yeah i didn't use the maryland i was like using a hypothetical example right of 80th to 30th and so i think that's mm-hmm. uh that's a much more realistic scenario so yeah no, i mean and there's no right answer right it's, it's totally right imperfect. i mean perfect. I mean, yeah. I always like to kind of, you know, if you were to cut the tournament from like at 64, you're pretty confident you have the best teams somewhere in the field and then they'll reveal itself during right. the, the games. That's, you know, the beauty of the tournament. Right. But it becomes it's the same philosophical question at you know, 32, 16, eight. Right. Um, you know, if you only had four teams, like I think you should take the four best teams now, not necessarily the, um, you know, a team that maybe is fourth maybe a sixth now but if you were to, because they've gotten injuries but you know had been third all season or something
1: right like i think at some point we're splitting hairs right like no one expects that you know this team that we're arguing maybe should be a, a ten seed in the ncaa tournament is actually going to go on and win a championship but it could happen i think it's probably not very likely especially on the woman's side so at Harvard beat Stanford you never right? know so. yeah <laughs> yes you, you never know but I mean but Harvard doesn't go on and win the NCAA <laughs> to be fair but they could have um, <laughs> they could
2: have yeah.
1: <laughs> maybe yeah, yeah they could have in theory but I, I think at some point like I mean it's it's still important to get the 64 best teams into the tournament that should be the ultimate goal but at some point you're kind of splitting hairs over some of those bottom seeds and Ultimately, yeah. like I think no matter who you put as those teams that you're splitting hairs between, you're pretty still pretty confident that you have like the best overall teams are the ones that are gonna be competing for that national championship at the you know, final four. Yeah, yeah. and I
2: do like having the conference the conference champions that aren't, you know, among the 60, mm-hmm. 64 best teams in the country, but have kind of proven their right. ability. Okay. Right. I remember you and I were joking on one of these podcasts about how we should go with the old Indiana high school basketball tournament style <laughs> and just open the tournament up to everybody this year, uh, which uh, you know, obviously <laughs> has some patience that is definitely not going to happen. But uh, you know, it's, a, you know, that's one nice thing about the NCAA tournament is it feels like every team has a chance to play it out and win it. Um, one other, we haven't really talked about it too much yet, but what is your take on um, you know another interesting case is Texas A&M. So I was curious, you know, what you think about them. Right, obviously their record is uh, amazing, but then at the same time. You know, they had a lot of close games, you know, they're 21, but they have definitely had a number of close games, right? They beat Arkansas by one, actually by one, 74-73, mm-hmm. and by two, 69-67, five-point win against Texas, four-point win against Missouri, four-point win against Rice. Uh, you know, and again, I think of all of these as pretty close calls, 93-91 uh, win against, against DePaul. So, you know, there's definitely a number of games there.
1: Yeah, for me, they're an interesting case, because I think, I mean, on paper, if you don't look at the difference in the scores, and you just look at who they played and who they beat, they look, honestly, like they clearly have the best resume, probably, in the country. If you simply just look at who they beat, they probably have, I don't know for sure that they have the most ranked wins, but they probably have the most ranked wins. any team in the country, they only have one loss they're playing in the sec which in my opinion is pretty much by far the best league in college, women's college basketball this, this season it's been very competitive kind of almost top to bottom they have a really solid resume but i think this comes back to the bracketology thing that i wasn't really sure if the selection committee would put them on the two line on the last thing because their net is lower and that's because they've had all these close games and at some point I think for me, they don't always pass the eye test because they get these wins, but when you win by two or three points, I'm not necessarily convinced that you're better than the team that you just beat. Like, you won the game, and if there was, like, a, if we had, like, a luck ranking, like Ken Palm, they'd probably have a really nice high ranking in that luck ranking because they seem to win all these games that are decided by less than five points, but at some point, like, there's kind of, like, you know, games that are decided by two, three points are kind of like a... Cat or coin flip and are Head they decidedly <laughs> yeah i don't really know where that came from <laughs> I <had to> say <laughs> coin flip, but are they really decidedly better than these teams or have they just gotten lucky and i mean obviously at some point like a consistency of pulling off the wins is it is something and it is worth something but they haven't looked dominant against the kind of the top or higher tier opponents that they're playing i mean i think their game on Sunday is going to be a good indicator of where they're at because they've got that big South Carolina game. It's going to decide the SEC regular championship. We've got a committee release at five PM on Sunday of bracketology, so that game's going to have big implications. On I that wonder. As well.
2: I wonder if they're really going to adjust it in that hour
1: there. I feel like they have to, because I, I mean, i it was supposed to come out Monday, which would have assumed that it would keep the game. I don't like why you would release at 5 p.m. Sunday after that game and not consider the results of that game. It just seems silly. So I guess they're going to maybe they're just going to make thought it just driven... four seeds. So maybe they I are just think... going to like make two, one for him. South Carolina wins one.
2: Maybe, but yeah. I think it makes a big difference, yeah. right? If they lose a close game to, oh know, yeah, win or lose to a me, close game does. versus yeah. get, if you know, if they if South Carolina oh, dominates them, that could really hurt them, right?
1: Yeah, or vice versa. Yes, yeah, agreed. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm <laughs> not saying I honestly
1: mean, guess... expect it to be a close game, but yeah, if one team or the other team dominates, we, that makes a statement, in my opinion, but.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and we're you know the thats rating. I think we we've got them. I think thirteenth, so, which is similar to where they are yeah. uh, in the net, in and the far net. below their AP ranking, which I think really is again just driven by wins and losses. I, I'm a firm believer that there is information in that score um, that you don't yeah. want to drop out, and certainly for making predictions, it can't just be about. Um, records but yeah it's great you know they'll play once so that'll be good um and then maybe we'll get a second uh look at that during the conference tournament as well so we'll know a lot more about texas a&m and what a week and a half
1: yeah exactly yeah i mean they've got to play south carolina once and then the sec tournament is a tournament i think probably the tournament i'm most excited for it's i think lends itself to some upsets and it, it's it's gonna be a fun one to watch and yeah, South Carolina is probably the favorite, and I am mean, a close second favorite there, but I won't be surprised to see someone else win that tournament.
2: How uh, much time have you blocked off for watching basketball the next... Uh, um, what yeah, 30... I need to figure
1: that out, actually. <laughs> 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 I, well, now we have a tournament schedule. I'm trying to figure out. I think I might take some time off, because I haven't really taken any time off and. In that's true right you gotta um... much last year in general so um i'm probably going to take some time off to watch basketball i need to like assess the conference schedules and like the tournament schedule and kind of figure it out probably more like half days because you know basketball doesn't start till 1 p.m so no, me that is
2: okay. yeah that's a good that's a good point that's yeah. a good point and um yeah there's there's a lot to do i am not good at multitasking i need to if i'm watching i need to watch otherwise if i'm just kind of in the room at my desk and looking up yeah. it's just i'm not getting anything out of either i felt like i used to be able to do it when i was young like you but uh not anymore Yeah,
1: see, i feel like i need to take time off because if i'm gonna watch i to like I, if I sit there and tell myself I'm gonna work while watching, I'm not getting work done. That's,
2: yes, that's what happens to me. It's like I've
0: got these dreams and <laughs>
2: there's a the big game, and it's like,
1: oh, I really want,
2: I really want to do this, but like I just can't uh, focus right now because I really want to watch. Yeah, this
1: game I too. told myself I was gonna like do audit work for my day job while I was watching UConn Creighton today, which was they won by thirty something points. <laughs> yes. It wasn't even exactly like a nail biter, and I did get any work done. So yeah, I'm like, it's just not a realistic proposition for me to be
2: like yeah i'm gonna work through these games <laughs> and i'm gonna watch them <laughs> yeah cool what else do you want to talk about do you want to we sort of talked a little bit about this earlier but do you want to briefly talk about um national player Year race some of the some of the superstars of college basketball and you know uh one thing that i think is fascinating about it again it's it's super wide open is what you know happened in the WNBA with that trade of the number 1 draft pick something that's just incredibly rare um you know both in the and you know the NBA as well um you know to me it's a commentary on Seattle's assessment about uh, the quality of this year's draft so so what's your take on who the the national player of the year is right now yeah
1: t- my take is honestly that it's wide open like i don't think there's someone that's kind of established themselves as like i am or even like a group of two or three people that have established themselves as like we are the clear front runners for national player of the year i i don't think it's clear i think it could go a lot of ways i think i try to remember when the, like the cutoff i think it's kind of like supposed to be before the ncaa tournament that your play i think is it's in.
2: gonna be the conference tournament after the conference tournament yeah. but you're right I, yeah. I don't know those deadlines
1: yeah, so I think it's like kind of through conference tournaments. So I honestly think a lot of these players have a lot to prove in the next couple of weeks. And I think, I mean, some obviously have more opportunities than others. Someone playing in these bigger conference tournaments, like if you go out and play a really, really good conference tournament, I think they've got a chance to you know, really make a statement case for themselves. But to me, it's pretty wide open. I think there's a lot of names in the hat in Like you said about the draft class, I mean, I don't think it's only people that are going into the draft that are in the conversation for National Player of the Year, Mm -hmm. but I think in general, that number one trick pick, trading hands, is the fact that there's just not a clear, I mean, I think most people say it's going to be Collier, but like, there's not a clear number one prospect, like, you need to bring in this prospect and they're going to, you know, make a huge impact on your program Mm -hmm. pick coming out of this draft class. I, I think, you know, in general, it's a weaker draft class, but I think it's very clear that there's just... There's not a prospect that everyone's, like, really excited about. Like, there's not a Sabrina or, I mean, there's has prospects where it's, like, I think, you know, the class, was at 2019, the class with, like, Jackie Young and Ricky Gabalale and a piece of Collier. I don't know that there was, like, a clear this is the number one prospect out of that class, but it was – there was so much talent in that class that there was yeah. you know, a lot of players to choose from. It, and I don't get the sense that that's this class either, right? Like, I think – there's not a clear number one prospect, but there's also just not like a huge pool of prospects that people are really excited about. And that's why you don't need to know who's going to go number one. It's there's just, it's a weaker draft class. I think it's really the only way to say it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how we're all, you know, we're at the, WNBA says about the draft class what you know how the votes come in for all the player of the year awards i definitely think you know on the stats side you know looking both you know naz hillman just definitely stands out both on kind of wind chairs per minute she and uh pr she and uh kirsten bell are kind of one and two in both of those so i kind of (laughs) think that naz hillman you know might be my choice or at least i i guess i'm excited at seeing what she can do and if she can really make that statement she's already kind of got that one statement game and as you said right i think that here it's actually kind of fair to have the recency bias that always happens with the voters right where kind of who finishes strong kind of usually gets overvalued and kind of you don't really account for how great people were all season but in this case i think you know it really is a lot about who finishes strong and you know you know in fact right uh, you know the conference tournaments like being able to kind of show out in that kind of environment you know will be a nice little tiebreaker so i'm going to be fascinated to see who catches catches our eye and really makes that statement
1: yeah i think for me too Hillman is has a really strong case i think the one thing that might hurt her is that michigan had that kind of long right. pause and she's only played 15 games but they've got a big 10 tournament coming up which has a a chance to you know make us Make a statement there, and it's a it's a big conference tournament, so I think there's still plenty of time for her to make that case. One thing that I found too, I was writing something for the UConn blog on Paige Becker's case, who I think is definitely one of those players that's also in the conversation. And uh, I mean, we only have data on the site going back five years, so just for the last five years, every player that's won that award has been in the top ten for both total win shares and win shares per forty. Mm. Um, and I, she's I mean, number I one on win part. chairs
2: for the whole season yes
1: pages is, is pages is number one um a lot of you know a lot of players that have won it been number one i think this season that's a little harder to look at because there's just such a disparity in yeah games played um but i i do think that says something i mean there's like it's not a coincidence that like most like nba and WNBA players that win mvp are also like number one number two in win chairs i think it's something that does at least somewhat approximate the value the player adds. Yeah, it's close. It's team. not perfect, but yeah. it's, it's, it's not perfect, not that wrong. but it, yeah, it's pretty close. So to me, that's kind of puts. I think Hellman is in that category, and then Beckers as well. Right. both kind of fit that boat. Kirsten Bell from uh, Florida Gulf Coast also fits that, but I do think that just there's at that level a kind of a disparity in the level of play or level of competition that you're up against and like a yeah. Florida Gulf Coast But
2: I mean, a, you, you know, talked big about East, Mi- Big Ten. Sorry, you talked about Michigan going on pause, right? And Aselman still seventh in the country in total win shares, uh, despite. Oh yeah, no, she's sure. <laughs> pretty it's incredible,
1: right? Like if she actually had played the number of games that everyone, a lot of other people have played, I think that that you know would speak even more volumes to how good she is. That's why I think despite the fact that she's only, what, like, six or something in total win shares, which is still very high, that she's pretty much can be considered a front runner there. Um, I mean, I think that that makes a statement for Becker's case as well, right? Because even she's at 19 games now, there's quite a few players that you would have in this conversation that are 22, 23 games yeah. into their season and are still behind her in win shares. Yep. Yep, 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 yep.
2: So... I definitely think that uh yeah. So again, right, it's clear as mud.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's clear I honestly like if people are listening and have cases for players, I'm interested in hearing people's like cases for why people should be national player of the year because I feel like on Twitter there's a lot of it's not this player, but not a lot of this is it's this player and that's why. So I'm very interested to hear what people will argue for different players. Because I think there's a just I think Helman and Beckers to me are the front runners right now, but I think there's plenty of other players in that conversation still. So,
2: yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'll be interested to hear. You know, one player we've been talking a little bit about that, you know, isn't going to be Player of the Year, but Amari Thomas for Cincinnati's been playing out of her out of her mind. It's been yes, it's, yeah. you know, just seeing those stat lines come up every few days, and so I mean, yeah, it's perplexing, right? Cincinnati's five and fifteen despite her amazing talent.
1: <laughs> yeah. But it would be fun to see, I don't think this is going to happen because South Florida is very good, but it would be kind of wild if, you know, she just continued this crazy streak into the American Conference Tournament and they were able to somehow win it and put themselves into the NCAA Tournament, but...
2: Yeah, that'd be a must-watch it's game. always the
1: fun of Champ Week. <laughs> I, I <laughs> often say that I actually like, I think I enjoy Champ Week more than some of that actual tournament, just because it's fun to try to watch teams play their way in.
2: I like that part. I don't love, like, for example, right, as South Carolina and A&M face off in the conference tournament yeah. final, those games don't excite me as much, just because like, oh, it's not the NCAA tournament. Like, they're both going to advance. Yeah. It could affect seeding, but... You know, it's not going to be tremendously different, and
1: uh, it's not gonna yeah, yeah. Really I also don't pattern. love like those games because it always affects seeding, but it's to me not necessarily always a fair way. Because I mean, you have a team like UConn, right? Like, which you expect them to win out their conference tournament, and granted, I think they've kind of earned that number one overall seed at this point. But yeah. in a year where they hadn't really earned that, like the you know, if they're like on the fence with the South Carolina, the fact that like. Mm. Or like as A and M, like that, you know, one of those teams has to lose, so then they like don't they lose that spot? I, I don't always love that result. Like, I think it's you know it's a little bit of disparity from being in a top conference versus like a, a not uh. as high up conference, and you know having to lose someone has to lose the game, and it's gonna be you know one of you like or even like an NC State and Louisville, like when they play each other, like you know someone someone loses on a seed line for that yeah. game someone has to lose right <laughs> Which, yeah
2: if it goes to overtime has,
1: like, they haven't yeah. yeah yeah if it goes to overtime <laughs> and it's like a like very even game like is that really fair i mean granted in the nc state louisville case i'll argue that the the acc is not as elite as it often is this this season so i th- I think they do those the, the teams still have something to prove so i think that game matters more to me but yeah that is true agree. Uh, yeah, I agree,
2: but I also get the FOMO right, the just fear of missing out. For it's like, oh, I can't keep yeah. up with all of it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't like that exactly. feeling. There's too many many there. I don't like the feeling of like if you're not watching four screens at once, you're missing something.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I'm not good at that. I'm yeah, definitely trying to get more of <laughs> the the story of a game, right? Watch it start to finish, right. right? As opposed to just catching a little bit and flipping here or there. So, yeah. um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, like I said, it's exciting times, hard to believe that uh february is basically over so um i am looking forward to looking forward to march like i said i feel like better things are ahead right the vaccine's coming and uh tournament's coming and it, it should be exciting
1: yeah for sure no things definitely feel like they're looking up i'm very excited for march so it's literally right around the corner so very excited. <laughs> cool.
2: Okay. Sounds good. Well, it's been great uh, chatting with you. Thanks again for having me on.
1: Thanks for coming on. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure to rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Also make sure to check out the stat site, herhoopstats.com. Lots of great NCAA stats, all of our WNBA salary cap work. Everything is on the site there. So make sure you're checking that out. Also make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter on Substack, and following us on social media at HerHoopStats. Thanks again for listening.